The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, at last, at last. I've been waiting for years to do this. You've been there before, probably, I don't know, a dozen, maybe maybe five dozen times. The assi- what, you've been to Merthyr? You've been to Merthyr, <laughs> Merthyr yeah, I went to Merthyr Nightclub. Uh, no, I went to, uh, well, almost like it, the Asylum, um, which I, I know that has connotations of something else, but it's it's a, it's an events venue. And moreover, probably, I, I would imagine it does mostly weddings. I don't know, actually, because they use it for films too, don't they? In London. Yeah, it, it, this is that place in Peckham, isn't it? Mm, Peckham. Peckham. In the, in the middle of the veterans' homes. Well, do you, uh, do you know what? See, I thought the Asylum, when I... When I, I asked the cab driver, in fact, no, I had several firsts that day. It wasn't a black cab driver. I'm sorry, black cab drivers. I've been really loyal for years, but I've just started using Uber. And so it was my first Uber drive. And the guy took me there and he said, oh, I don't know this place, which I would imagine is synonymous with being an Uber driver. And I, and I, said, I said, oh, it, it used to be an asylum. It was, you know, obviously a hospital. He said, oh. But it wasn't ever a hospital. Do you know what it was? No, I did. Th- I I knew that. I thought it was a hospital as well. But somebody did tell me after that that it wasn't. But well, I don't know what it was actually built for. No, it used to be the place where publicans, publicans of London, once you'd finish your term calling last orders, that's where you were shipped out to. And that's why when you go in the door, do you see the weird shape of the door that sort of comes in at the top? It's all skewy. Yeah. Masonic. Ah, uh, it's Masonic. Yeah. See, they got and, a lot to answer for those boys. And and then it was bombed out during the war, and it was a home for the pigeons for ages. Then they just put, um, I was going to say asparagus uh, roofing, well, uh, asbestos roofing, <laughs> made made out of asparagus stalks on the on the roof. And now it's a venue, and it's shabby chic, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh, it's a very popular place. But I know they do, I know they film stuff and things in there. But yeah, oh, that's interesting. I yeah, I had to see. I knew it wasn't what I thought it was originally, but I didn't no. know it was where uh, you know the old pub puppy people went. Yeah, amazing afterwards. publicans. You get given, you get put out to to what do they call it? Where, pasture. Put put out to pasture. They get put out to non pasteurized IPA. <laughs> the Fuji Cast. That sort of thing. Well, what an amazing venue! I tell you what. Um, being a being a wedding f- photographer primarily does take you to some quite interesting places, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You you do you do see a bit, and quite sometimes quite literally a a, a, a bit of the world. Anyway, welcome to the Fuji Cast. Um, nice to be back. We were even talking the other day. Or perhaps I shouldn't say this bit, but I even said, Kev, do you know I do miss it every week? And and, and we both said maybe we could do it every other week. <laughs> it's edging back already anyway you and your questions from our electronic mailbag and of course also through the Fujicast private Facebook group that you're welcome to become a part of if you'd like to send a mail send a click at fujicast.co.uk if you're not a Fujifilm shooter don't worry it's a big community whatever flavour you shoot you're very very welcome Kev's book of the week this week is Biker Revisited I wanted to do it with the um with the accent, but I... I, I was thinking that as well. I can't, <laughs> I can't even do my own accent, let alone other people's. Biker Grove. No, I can't, yeah. I can't do Biker it. Biker Revisited. <laughs> that doesn't sound... Uh, I know. It's going to be even worse when I try and pronounce the, uh, the, the, the author, the photographer's name. Oh, right. Okay. Turka Lisa Kontinen. Oh, absolutely correct. Uh... <laughs> Say it again? <laughs> no, don't bother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we have some news, um, very exciting news about the 16th of June. Um, 
And, uh, and of course, we have a, a guest this week who is going to be uh, talking to us in two parts during the show. He is a Fujifilm ex-photographer and creator and ambassador in America who transits between DC and his new home in uh, Jamaica. Quote, I believe that the world around me is spectacular, not just the big things like the oceans and the sunsets and the seven wonders, but also the things that would ordinarily be considered boring or mundane. Kurth Bob is, uh, is on the show. And, and, if we get the thumbscrews right, we might even be able to tempt Mullins into dishing the secrets of the universe as far as Fujifilm is concerned with new cameras. <laughs> Do you like that silence? <laughs> Very good. If you have one of, those, uh, one of those apps that closes all the silences in, that would have meant nothing to you. <laughs> I have no idea what you're on about. No, but <laughs> would you mean either of the cameras or the? Uh, so we can't talk about the or the or the none none of that. No, no. <laughs> okay, but if you wait to the sixteenth of June, then some of this, some of this will be clearer, won't it? Hopefully, mm. yeah. Although not guaranteed, but yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Right, yes. so let's, the 16th of June. Let's, should we sideswerve that bit first and do the patrons? Because we've got some new, new folk to say hello to, haven't we? Yeah, so thank you very much, Paul Waring, Mark Neal, Cy Biles, Adam Featherstone, Mike Wooten, uh, for signing up and being patron. Thank very you. much appreciated. And you will, all of you that are patrons will now know that we are fully invested in our monthly Zoom. We're going to do some um, image critiquing this week. Well, that yes, been, thank you that very would, much, that guys. That would have been last, last week, Kev. We'd have done that last week, the magic of podcasting. Damn. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm actually on holiday today, then, in that case. Oh, yeah, of course you are. I'm, I'm not. Away. I'm shooting a wedding. I'm not here. Where are you, then? I'm in, uh, well, it's also a little bit of a secret, though it won't be because uh, it's the time has gone now and we're past, or are we forward, or are we ahead? Anyway, I, I will be in a uh, hot tub. An American, yeah, there is a hot tub. It's an American. What are those um, caravans? Those silver? Oh, car- the big silver. What are they called? Uh, yeah, uh, they've silver, got a name, silver, they? silver streak? No, silver. Mm. Silver wagon. Silver. Silver lining. Um, uh, silver surfer. <laughs> I can't think of any other silvers. Get, we're getting worse as we get older. Silver I'm medal. I've been American <laughs> silver caravan. They are silver something, aren't they? Uh, Quicksilver, uh, no. Silver Caravan. Airstream. Airstream. Yes. Nothing so we are, <laughs> it's Arby's birthday today, in oh. fact, if, if you're listening on the day of the podcast. So where are you? So where are you? Where is it? It's on a farm in Cornwall with, oh. a, with its own hot tub and, oh. and barbecue and stuff like that. Unfortunately, we've got to take the dogs, but it should be nicer than that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going for three or four days, which will be very nice. And Albie doesn't know about it, no. which is great. Well, so yeah. we're going to tell him that on the, um, when we go on Friday, that he is, uh, we're going to the dentist. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be his, like, he'll be in the most grumpiest of moods. Really? And hopefully it'll take him a little while, probably until we get past like Bristol before he's like, say, when, when, when he, at some stage, because I'm assuming that he doesn't go to the dentist far outside, Mum. So no, exactly. He's gonna, yeah, he's going to be saying, "Hang on a moment, Dad. We're in Cornwall. Where, where's- yeah." <laughs> no, so my plan is: the thing is, he's a clever little. Uh, I'm sorry, he's a clever little. <laughs> so he'll he'll just look at the sat nav straight away yeah, and go, know, "Dad, yeah. you're lying." Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so my plan was to tell him we're going to the dentist. And then I was going to say, well, actually, you know, because he'll say, why are we taking the dogs to the dentist? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll say, well, actually, maybe we'll go to Western for the afternoon or something afterwards because he likes Western. Yeah. And that will get us as far as Western because you've got to drive right past oh, Western. Oh, clever. Yeah. But thereafter, he will probably think, hang on a cotton picking minute. Yeah. So I'm not here. Oh, what a lovely, lovely adventure. Very nice. In an airstream or a hot tub. And hot tub. Yeah, you can't do anything without a hot tub being involved. Now, why didn't you get one at home, by the way? I've never understood why you don't have one. No, we can't, I couldn't because I would literally never do anything in my life. Mm. Right. Um, 16th of June. Then we'll get to your questions. 16th of June, House of Photography in the world-famous Covent Garden region of London. Yeah. So, 16th of June, we will be doing our event at the House of Photography. It's, there's essentially three parts to it. In the morning, we're hoping to do some kind of very informal photo walk for a couple of hours, maybe. And then we will be at the House of Photography from around... We'll have the whole upstairs to ourselves from probably 4 o'clock till maybe 7 p.m. or something. And we will do a live podcast recording... Andreas will be with us to answer your questions. Of all things being equal, there will be new goodies for you to look at, touch, um, pre-order things. Yeah, stuff like that. We may have a, uh, a couple of goodies to throw away and throw out to the audience uh, as we go through. We will uh, then thereafter go, after, go out for a couple of non-alcoholic drinks for those that wish to. It's totally free, absolutely free. All of it is free. However, you will need to get a ticket to it, which you will be able to do via the fujicast.co.uk website go to the merch tab mm. and there's a big picture of neil and i just click on that link and it will ask you uh the three things that you're coming to whether you're going to come to the photo walk the the actual podcast recording or the uh the evening thing or all three um obviously we ideally want you to come to all three but it's entirely up to you we are limited because the host of photography for as beautiful as it is we are limited by fire and health and safety and all that kind of stuff so there is a there is a finite amount of tickets um the patrons have had first bag of them there's a load um but there are plenty left go to futurecast.co.uk and i will of course put a post in the um, facebook group to yeah. explain all of this yeah. now one thing that we are going to do also, do because we are lovely like this, do is we're going to bit? do something that we're, we're going to call oh. Fujikas Got Talent. Oh, yes. Yes. Cast got talent. So this is your opportunity, really, to put your work out there if you wish to. Um, we are, you know, those those that remember the X Weddings Festival that I put together. I, I, you know, I was very keen to give a speaking slot to somebody who had never really done it before, but mm. you know, wanted to and all that kind of stuff. So a similar thing, really. So the, the, really, the only way I can see this working, um, but obviously, feel free to let us know if this if, if you think there's better ways. Is uh, we'll have two. I'd say 10 minute sessions, two 10 minute presentation slots before we do the podcast recording at the House of Photography. Um, there'll be a big screen and all that kind of stuff. So you can show your pictures, do a little bit of a chat, um, you know, get your face in front of the audience and your work known, all of that kind of stuff, if you so wish to, if you're comfortable about doing this. Now, what we're going to do is I'll again open up a thread in the Facebook group or uh, asking people to submit a little tiny proposal. You know, I want to talk about pictures of my kids because I love them, that yeah. kind of stuff. And then we'll do a, uh, a simple, 
you know voting system for who wants to listen to who kind of thing um so if you're into that if we get nobody bothered then that's absolutely fine we'll write that down I've, I've got a massive book of mistakes so i'll just add it to the list in there um but if you if you are keen to do something like that then uh, we've got some absolutely amazing photographers in the futurecast community and it would be good to see some of your work um now uh, the uh, a little caveat with that is that I would say does not absolutely does not have to be um, a presentation about how or why you use Fujifilm cameras, all of that kind of stuff. The pictures don't, wouldn't have to necessarily been shot on Fujifilm cameras. However, I would just like to say that you know if we are at the Fujifilm House of Photography, they are graciously ho hosting us. <laughs> so if I would err away from a presentation saying this is you know you shot all this on Sony and these are the reasons why you shot them on Sony and blah 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 blah. blah. And I'll, I'll also say that those people who are shooting things on Sony probably in the future may not wish to. I can't say anything else. <laughs> yeah. Well, Steve Vaughan has already spoken <laughs> to me. He's going to be turning up to do his Sony presentation on, on his <laughs> on his cricket photography. Yeah. Uh, it's all your, it's all I'll your, take photographs of the tears. Your wildest dreams come true. Oh, the cricket. Yeah. <laughs> cricket. Good Lord. No, good Lords. Good Lords. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, what way to spend five days of your life for a drop of rain to ruin it and make it a draw uh, anyway that aside you can there are some wonderful cricket pictures though actually um, so if you're interested in that uh, Fujicast's got talent um, now we are obviously we're looking to, for people who uh, are comfortable kind of standing up in front of 50, 60, 70 people maybe so have a little bit of think think about that but what I will also say to you is everybody has to do it for the first time and we are a friendly bunch and there will be no um, no heckling from the crowd or anything like that. No, it's no. A, this is this is this is all about yeah. support and all about kind of giving you a platform, you know, to to show your pictures. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a whole lovely day of uh, photography, fun. It's totally free, and uh, you know, but we, you will absolutely need to get one of the tickets um, because we need to know numbers, we need to know uh, who's coming, we need to know how much uh, you know, how many drinks we need to get in, all of that kind of stuff. No, and um, I don't know if you thought the uh, the photo walk element through because if, if 70 people say yeah i'd like to do everything please uh, mm. we, we might end up looking like a protest and the metropolitan police will be honest like uh like a swarm, yeah in swarm which case we'll we'll split them up a bit <laughs> that's right we'll, we'll just carry banners around no more cricket <laughs> yeah um and for those of you that have never been to the house of photography it's yeah. it's a it's an amazing place there's exhibitions obviously there's 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 the gear and stuff you can um, hmm, I'm not sure whether you would be able to get your sensors cleaned and stuff, but I think you can. Um, I might just double check that and uh, yes. let you all know. But yeah, there's you know you can you can even do printing there and everything. It's, it is a fantastic place, uh, and you'll have plenty of time to wander the floors because there are several of them. Yep. The future from House of Photography. Right. Should we do some questions? I think we should. I mean, um, we're about an hour in and we haven't done yeah. anything yet. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's it till next month. We'll see you later. Right. Yeah. Do you want, do you bye want, bye. Do you want to go first with yours, or shall I go with a question from? the email uh you go okay this one is from stephen champion why why could why have people got so many cool names i know i used to uh, work with, a, with a broadcaster called sarah champion i always thought that was the best name for a broadcaster Sounding yeah great in the champion hello kev hello neil i've listened to your podcast almost from day one but this is my first time i've written in so hopefully my question is worth the wait I, as a hobbyist, hobbyist club photographer, I take images of anything and everything, sometimes for club competitions, but mostly just for fun. I've owned an X-T2 for the last three to four years, absolutely love the camera, still only use the kit lens. 
I use the X-T2 for 95% of my photography, only straying back to the old faithful Nikon D700 for close-up portrait model work as I like the softness from the lower pixel count on the full-frame sensor. My question is, is it time, Stephen, together, you and I could hopefully wheedle something out from the Kevster here, is it time for an update to the X-T4? I know that's an impossible question to answer from my personal perspective, so could you just list the main advantages for a hobbyist club photographer of the X-T4 over the older X-T2? Thanks to the podcast, guys. Steve Champion. Uh, so, yeah, so the X-T4 is uh, much better than the X-T2, yeah. um, and it's marginally better than the X-T3. And I say marginally as in uh, the sensor is the same in the X-T4 as it is in the X-T3, but the X-T4 has things like in-body image stabilization, yes, uh, better, longer-lasting battery, that kind of stuff. Um, but the actual sensor and the image quality, etc., will be identical. So uh, the difference between the X-T4 and the X-T2 is quite substantial. Um, however, as I would always say to everybody, if you are getting your out of the X-T2 what you need to get out of it, then hold on to it. Don't, you don't need to uh, to upgrade just because something is shiny and new. Um, you know, if, you 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 want to upgrade if you if you feel like you're not you know it's not giving you what you need. It's maybe the burst rate isn't quite fast enough, or you you know you you need bigger prints or something. I don't know, but whatever it is, then uh, then that's worth thinking about. If you want to get into filming uh, stuff like that, then you're going to get better yeah. uh, film control with the XT3, and then subsequently with the XT4. Um, but yes, yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, it does depend a little bit on, you know, where you want to go. I, I would say if you're still using the kit lens, then possibly think about a, you know, if it's the, if it's the image quality that you're, you're, you know, you're struggling with or you're not, you're, you're being controlled, configured, uh, confined by the, the um, lens. Maybe think about getting a couple of the, um, the newer, faster prime lenses instead of upgrading, at least at first, to see what opportunity that gives you. I mean, the 18mm uh, 1.4 and the 33 1.4, stuff like that. Now, these, these lenses, just absolutely phenomenal. I wonder what his kit, um, lens, kit lens was, because that might make a difference in how you choose to suggest lenses to him in the future. The kit lens, I think, is the 1655, isn't it? Or is it the 1550 to 80? I can't remember, but uh, it depends. There was a couple of kit lenses, but honestly, there's no such thing as a kit lens or feature from cameras. They don't make I mean, they have the XC range, that, um, which you don't see very often, which are the, the kind of very cheaper plastic um, plastic built lenses, but the optics yeah. are still very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, kit lenses are not, in the Fujifilm range, are not really, they're called kit lenses because they come with a kit. But they're still excellent lenses, uh, you know. So unless it's the XC lens, uh, XC range, as I said. So yeah, that's that's my advice, really. But without, you know, without, if, uh, only if you're struggling, should you really be thinking about upgrading? And yeah, it might be worth holding off for a few weeks, maybe. <laughs> Why would that be, Kev? I don't know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. I, I haven't got a, a sound effect here for the thumb screws being turned, but uh, okay. Uh, your turn. Yeah, Facebook. So the Facebook thread obviously is there for it's at the it's pinned at the top. And I think it's got lost a little bit recently because we've had other different things pinned. Yeah. That's one of the problems of Facebook is it is the terriblest, most terrible interface. Terriblest. I think with all of their bazillions of pounds, yeah. they'd be able to to make it a little bit nicer looking. It's yeah. awful. I hate it. Maybe that Elon um, Musk will make that his next company that he's going to buy. Maybe Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah he's going to be the next. Blinking president, isn't he? Um, right. So, so? 
we are going to have to go back to five days ago for the last question that was posted in the question thread. Um, now, one of the reasons, by the way, people, is that we went to monthly was because, you know, we thought that you might all be getting a bit fed up of uh, questions and stuff like that. So we'll give you four whole weeks. And in the four whole weeks since the last recording, the Facebook <laughs> thread has had three questions posted. <laughs> but I mean, it's had plenty of other stuff. I mean, it's a really busy, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. really busy profile. But anyway, Wade Brown, uh, this one's directed at me. I think. Good day, Kev. I have loved your YouTube videos on editing your photos. Would you be looking at doing anything similar in the future using your Lightroom presets? Would you love to see how you go from your raw to finished images, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Um, so generally, this is about why the hell either you or I have not done anything on YouTube for well, decades and decades that's, and no, decades. That, that, that's, yeah. And for me, really, it's just come down to the fact that uh, it's time. Um, I forever need a new haircut. I've got bags <laughs> under my eyes. There's a day of the week with a Y in it. Hang on a moment. You, you have got to a stage where, Kev, you look pretty sharp, I think. You've done so well with your, your – I mean, you've been on the money with the booze thing. That's why, by the way, after the 16th of June event, we will be going to a yoga retreat for the evening and not and not <laughs> O'Neill's Bar like we did before. But you've, you've been on the money with that. The food, brilliant. You, I mean, you've tri- you, you, the judo's going really... Well, you've trimmed. You've trimmed. You're ready, Kev. I mean, physically, you have no more excuses. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, that's very kind. But uh, so the, 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 general, the real answer... So to, to answer the question more directly, and I don't want this to be about my presets and such, is there is a video on my website that kind of shows the uh, the one-touch mechanism of it. Um, and there is, I have done uh, kind of videos on YouTube where I show how to, how I process my raw images, but not using my uh, presets. So that might be of interest for people who have not, uh, who don't, you know, don't use or don't like to use presets and stuff like that. And uh, generally though, with YouTube, I have, I've now got some new, a new video light. I've reorganized my studio to give yes. me a little bit of a yeah, YouTube yeah. space. Yeah. But I, every time I look at it, I think, so I'm going to spend three days filming, you know, of which eight hours of that will be me swearing at the, <laughs> at the thing as the, as the auto cue, my phone slips off the auto cue, or I'd say I'm an R and all of this stuff. I just get angry. I'll go home angry. I'll come in the next day. I'll, I'll then I'll just rush it. And then I'll spend another day editing it and then I'll stick it on YouTube and then I'll get a, you know, a thumbs down within a minute. And then YouTube will give me 28 pence at the end of the month. That's yeah. the kind of thought process that I go through. <laughs> I've just, I've, I've, there's a couple of people on YouTube I have been, uh, oh, and I can't find the guy's name. I've, I've been following of late because of this, the simplicity, Kev, of how they do stuff. So there's you saying to set it up with the auto cue on. Um, whereas I've been watching people against black backdrops uh, where I'm just engaging with them. Um, oh, it's not. Think- so, it's not so much that I. I have thought about it, and I have actually got a whole load of uh, films ideas for films and stuff yeah, that I will yeah. do. It's not so much the the backgrounds and all of that kind of stuff. I can deal with that. It's the it, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe you've touched on the right idea there with a the simple simple thing. Maybe basically, my I might just start doing videos that are totally uncut. So I will, I'll just bumble through because, you know, I, uh, I've bumbled through answering this question, but I know the God of Neil will go through the edit yeah. and get rid of a whole load of I'm ums and ahs. I'm not there to do it for you. you, 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 you all that you, stuff. You, YouTube, Whereas though. on YouTube, it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's much more difficult and you, you yeah. don't, you know, you don't see jump cuts m- m- very often now in like Peter no, Kinnon's videos. No, 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 you don't. No. So in the old days, there was jump cuts everywhere arms flying, appearing in the middle of nowhere and stuff like that, where he was, he was piecing together sentences that he'd, you know, he'd cocked up. So uh, 
you know, I quite like the idea of it being nice and clean. But then at the same time, maybe, I don't know. It, it, ultimately, yes, no, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Sometime, yes, maybe. perhaps, one day. Uh, uh, I'm really busy, though, at the minute, believe it or not. I'm, I've got, like, stuff. Things to do. pots, I've got a picture, yeah. photograph, holidays I've got to go on. <laughs> yeah, now you've got Airstreams you've got to be in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, right, but yes, no. Thank you, Wade. I, I, it is a it is a, room, a bit of a kick at the butt. Um, yeah. I do need to get my act together. Um, here's one from Jody Cotillo. I've been shooting in P mode, trying to focus more of my. Yay! Yeah, see there, there's somebody else in the world. You're the other one. Uh, P mode. Try- P mode. P mode. <laughs> Trying to, you should have a T-shirt. Who was that guy yeah. that used to say, "I shoot raw" or whatever? It was. I'm going to do a T-shirt on our merch page. We have yeah. got a merch page, by I the sh- way. I shoot pee. I shoot pee. Mugs and stuff. Yeah, we have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do T-shirts. P mode. P more. P mode. God. P more. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I've been shooting it. We got a bit lost there. Shooting in P mode. I'm not editing that out though. Trying to focus more on my surroundings and composition, which is why you would use it, of course. Letting the camera make choices. In what situations would you come out of P mode and override the camera selections? So, Kev, do you ever come out of P mode? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, of course. So P mode um, is, uh, I do use it a lot and I'll explain why in a moment, but yes, you do also need to, I believe you still need to know, understand how to shoot manually. Um, even if you never use manual, but you might use aperture priority or shutter speed priority or something like that. Do you, do you look at aperture priority as more sort of the, the, the uh, one step removed from manual or something? Mm, no, I would say one step removed from P mode aperture priority. Mm. Um, and then if you're using aperture and shutter priority or, or not priority as such, but if you're controlling aperture and shutter, then you're two steps removed from P mode, one step, Close one step removed from manual. <laughs> Sounds like a dance. There you go. To the left, to the right. Uh, that no one would buy. So yeah, I mean, I for example, if I'm shooting, um, uh, you know, a wedding, for example, dance dance floor stuff, I will likely be shooting. I'll likely be taking more control of the shutter speed. Um, aperture is nearly always going to be wide open at that point, so I'll just lock it in. Yeah. Um, although the the P mode, A mode, it is really in Fujifilm world would be shooting it wide open anyway iso i i never ever 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 take control of iso it's always auto iso unless i'm shooting in the studio of course or i'm using you know lights in this lighting system in the studio or when i'm filming then it's all fully manual the reason why a lot of people will be going p mode that's not a proper photographer Mm. p mode and to those people, you know, I get it. I understand, you know, there is a, uh, there's certainly an element of uh, snobbishness. You, know, you need to know how to drive a car <laughs> oh, yeah, properly. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can't, you can't drive a, a shift gear stick car and, uh, you know, and, and then jump into a manual or automatic, mm-hmm. I should say, or the other way around. But, you know, we, we've come a bloody long way and cameras these days, you know, we spend, this is the argument I had all those years ago. We spend two, three, eight, ten thousand pounds in some cases, like mine, on you know, on camera systems. Yeah. And the reason why they're expensive is because there's been very clever people who have figured it all out and and you know, they they the metering and all that kind of stuff is you know, long gone are the days where we would necessarily need to be using light meters handheld and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, there are certain uh, you know, there's places and times for that. But generally, trust the cameras, trust yeah. them and you you'll you'll be amazed. I, I'm looking at a wedding right now in fact. I'm, I'm editing it right now. <laughs> um, where uh, from last weekend, where I've shot, I've shot it in um, P. All of the outside stuff is in P mode, 
and which meant I had no consideration whatsoever about exposure, none whatsoever. And I'm just concentrating on what I'm seeing. And that's just liberating. I've never, I've, I, don't shoot, I don't shoot in PMO, but I shoot religiously in oh, aperture, a, aperture priority. Just yeah. so I just that one that one bit of I just want to control that depth. That's all in in the photograph. Everything else, you're quite right. And I think the revelation, um, the revelatory thing that happened a good few years back now, really, was when auto ISO became so so good. You really didn't need to bother about it. You could pretty much set up the parameters of what you felt comfortable with in terms of what 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 the shop was going to look like in certain lit conditions when it when it was dancing about all over the shop. But since then, I've I, I'm like you. I've never I've never ever with any camera system thought uh, beyond using uh, auto iso now that was the first part of that whole process the whole process of it for me that then you know I, i've i know how to shoot manual but i really only ever do it in the studio i remember when the the i think it was the canon 5d mark one yeah. i think it must have been that one i don't know um, i don't think 5d had the auto iso did it I'm not it sure. introduced it yeah it introduced it i'm sure it came in a firmware um maybe it was the second one i don't but i don't think i used the second one maybe i did was that 2008 i don't know anyway one of them did one of the canon systems it, there was a firmware update it didn't come with it but they updated the firmware right okay and they introduced this auto iso thing but it didn't have the ability to set a minimum shutter speed ah. so it was useless it was absolutely useless you'd set your or you know your iso um, limits and and uh, kind of ground level and top level ceiling level but the shutter speed would then go down to like a quarter of a second or something okay, so it was absolutely useless okay. but that was when it first kind of became a thing but yes i mean no no p mode yeah go p mode <laughs> t-shirts available on the 16th of june at the house of photography <laughs> merch more merch that's what we need right yeah. let's um hear uh, part one of um, our guest uh, this week and here's an ambassador from america who is now also living in jamaica though he's an obsessive traveler with a passion for culture as uh, as you'll hear girth bob is an award-winning photographer and fujifilm x photographer whose work illustrates the synchrony of life and spans several genres of photography including commercial and editorial and street which we'll talk about and fine art photography though in this half, we'll, uh, we'll start with his thoughts and feelings about social photography, in particular wedding work, part of the, the tapestry of somebody's legacy, as you're about to hear. This is Kurt Bob. Kurt, I was chasing you across different time zones, and right right now you're in Jamaica. I can't keep up with you. But actually, Jamaica is, is sort of... I mean, D.C. is your... Is D.C. your first time, Jamaica your... Your second? No, I would say Guyana is my first home. That's where I was born. Um, I moved to D.C. in 97, finished up high school and university there. But I've always had a longing to return to the Caribbean. And as someone who really enjoys being immersed in a rich culture and um, being in in, in spaces that feel supportive and nurturing of me, Jamaica is a place that, you know, it was kind of a a no-brainer. So I... I now have a place here in Jamaica that I also call home. And, you know, the goal is to kind of be a bit of a world citizen. Who knows where else I'll end up, right? Um, But it's this idea that for me, I think after the pandemic, especially during the pandemic, you know, I've always kind of like a desire to just expand and travel and see more, more adventure. But during the pandemic, it really highlighted just my need to be out more. Yeah. 
and just to connect with people, not necessarily out, but just in different spaces and learning different things, interacting with different energy. Jamaica made the made sense. It's a place where I go, where I come and I feel like goosebumps and things. I mean, the pandemic, as you mentioned, we we called it lockdown. You called it shutdown, which seems just. I mean, shutdown seems. I mean, lockdowns seem bad enough, but shutdown as language is even worse. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, somebody like yourself who's very gregarious, you can see that in your photography. You like to be with people. I would imagine that caused a great difficulty for you during that time. Not at all. I kept moving. You know, within the confines of understanding that, you know, during during the pandemic, I became acutely aware of just my responsibility to, to, to others' well-being, you know? Yeah. So I traveled. I spent a lot of time away during the pandemic because um, I needed to. And it was one of those, you know, it was weighing, you know, I got tested often, super safe, but carrying that responsibility, but also this, you know, this responsibility to myself and my own well-being, where it's like, I need to leave, I need to go. Your work is about the synchrony of life. Now, I, I read that as things that kind of develop as pairs almost. They sort of work from each other. I spoke to Magnum's Alex Soth recently, and he has a a project called From Here to There, which is, I suppose it's a similar kind of thing. Is that what you mean by it, that things flow? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a synchronicity, right? It's harmony. Yeah. I think we live in such a world that is polarizing and um, non-celebratory, if that's a word of differences. But there, there's, there's, there are places, there, there are so many instances and moments where differences are harmonious and celebrated, right? And create like the synchronicity that's almost magic where, you know, I know for me, it, it, it kind of took me into a different space once I started looking at the world that way. Because one, it built optimism. It's like, you know, this perfect photograph can show up in front of me. Like, you know, um, so that's what it is for me. It, it's a synchronicity. It's recognizing the synchronicity in, in, in just mundane moments. It's recognizing that, you know, everything is beautiful. Uh, everything is beautiful if oh, you're standing in the right place at the right time and the light's hitting it where it needs to hit it. It's beauty there, like... And I, you know, a lot of those ideas I take into my life as well in my relationships. And it's it's always okay. So this thing may be shitty. Maybe I'm not standing in the right place and looking for like. Actually, when you look at your work, uh, I mean, light light is a word I would use. I mean, there's nothing dark about your work. There's nothing sinister about your work. You have this Afro-Guyanese upbringing, which you feel drives your photography. You're you're. I suppose you're referring to these vivid colours, aren't you? I mean, the first thing you said Absolutely. to me. Absolutely. I have to share this with you. First thing Kurt said mm-hmm. to me when, when, uh, when, when we went, uh, when we went on Zoom a little bit earlier on, and you kind of gave me a, a sort of tour of your house by the fact you were walking around with your laptop, and I said, "Look at those colours," and you said, "Well, I'm just about to change it and paint it." Yeah, you know, I think I've, as I've lived, there is a vividness to life that has become more apparent. You know, growing up in Guyana, we're really close to the equator. It's hot. Yeah. When we get sunshine, we get sunshine. Yeah. You know, um, and you- the lights bouncing everywhere. Yeah. And then the afternoons and the mornings, you know, the lights. It, it's almost every spectrum of light that you can experience with the natural eye. And then the colors, you know, colors. I, I live in D.C. now where anyone who bought a house in D.C. in the last 10 years, the house is painted great. Mm. 
I don't know. I, I, if if I were to line up human beings and assign and have them assign colors to themselves, I don't think everyone would pick gray. There's 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 a vividness to this this experience that I'm having here. And I think growing up in Guyana, kind of going to the market with my grandmother, everything was about color. You know, yeah. you could tell how good a fruit is by its color. Our schools, we we were color coded. You know, so going to like the bus park to pick up public transportation, you know, you would see students in green, yellow, purple, <laughs> just a vividness, you know. The, the, and for me, it, it, you know, as I think about it now, it's, it's again, like just kind of this harmony and differences, you know, where everyone doesn't have to be the same. We don't all, we don't always have to wear the same color or be the same thing to kind of fit some kind of construct, you know. For me, color is... You know, the color I experience in Jamaica is like full expression. Like people paint their, their houses whatever color they want. I know. And, and why shouldn't you be able to? Well, your, your grandmother, actually, I mean, you mentioned grandma just a moment ago. And she mm-hmm. she was uh, quite responsible for, for the way you feel about things. And I know she didn't introduce you to a camera as such, or did she? There's a great amount of affection that I've, I've um, not only read, but seen you talk about when it comes to grandma. Absolutely. You know, my grandmother was a teacher. That was her formal education. But she was also an amazing floral arranger. She made these beautiful floral arrangements. You know, she she was a creative. It's probably the first creative that I encountered. And you match that with with experiencing this this, this unconditional love. And so much of what I have is is owed to her. So when so when did you pick up the camera then? Uh, if that wasn't grandma, what what introduced no, you to photography? Um, I I picked up the camera. Well, you know, my grandmother also painted. Yeah, and uh, I I think that's kind of where I got the inkling to to create visually. The camera came when I was in graduate school, and my sister was getting married, and I got a, a camera, and I went to her wedding, and I made photographs, I took photographs, and then I saw what her uh, photographer produced and what I produced. And I was like, I could do this, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, it, it, it evolved from there. You know, I, I would have people come over to my house. I had a speed light and I would just point the camera at them and, and click and send them something. And, you know, to have nice bokeh because I had like decent glass. And for me, that was a photograph at that point, right? And then I had an experience related to grandma where the last time I saw her, my ex-wife made a photograph of her and I, and that photograph is forever etched in my memory because what I realized is that photograph was proof of, was proof of existence, that I existed and that I was loved by this person and that I came from someone, right? Like this person and I had a relationship. There aren't any writings about grandma and I and our great, you know, friendship and, and familial bond. But there's this photograph. And it was at that point that I realized that what I was doing, you know, at that point, I was doing a lot of weddings. Like, that's essentially what I'm doing. Like, I am creating proof of existence of relationships that may not have existed, that proof may not have existed before. And from there, you know, my, my formal education is in, you know, computer science and network engineering, cybersecurity, very technical. Yeah disciplines but from there i said to myself well you know i'm not going back to art school but i'm gonna learn this craft from like an artistic perspective so a lot of self-study and i was like okay so this camera is really an instrument for me to express myself in a way that's authentic and meaningful and simply by doing that and putting my humanity into it i kind of connect to others in that way because you know 
yeah, that one photograph really kind of just set me on the trajectory to really understand what it was I was doing. And then, you know, I went down the rabbit hole. I learned about, you know, the Brassans of the world. Um, well, Salgado as well, because Salgado is a great influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Salgado is, uh, he's Brazilian, you know, yeah. and uh, very, like, close neighbor. And just his, also, you know, his he, he's an economist who merged photography into his, essentially, like, his life's work. Mm. So, yeah, that, that, that's kind of my story with the camera. Everyone is a photographer until they have to photograph a wedding. I, I, I am borrowing that because I like... <laughs> I like that a lot. And considering you're in Jamaica and DC, and I'm at a very small town, a long way away, just west of London, I think we'll get away with it. But what did you mean? You know, weddings is like every type of photography in one day. Yeah. With limited time, a finite set of tools, and the expectations of two families, right? Like, you don't get to do it again. There is no, oh, let me come. We could reshoot. It can seem like a lot of pressure, you know? Well, I've never worn that responsibility uh, before when you say the expectations of two families. Yeah. I've never thought of it like that before. But it is, of course, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, it goes back to proof of existence. But for me, you know, when I think of, when I think of the wedding photographs that I make, I've been married and I know that either the couple looks at those photographs and remember the joy that they shared in a time where they need that remembrance the most or the people that come after them get this idea that like we come from love we come from together we come from community right mm-hmm. that is what i mean by everyone's a photographer until you have to photograph a wedding because you're doing photojournalism at least the way i do it you're doing photojournalism you're doing product photography you're doing some ar- architectural photography you're doing portraits you're doing everything like on the same day. But luckily for me, the way I approach it is everything's already there. I just have to be aware and see it, you know? So I, I don't differentiate my, my wedding, my wedding work from my commercial work or my street work. It's, it's how much awareness do I bring to that particular moment to find the beauty, right? To find the beauty and to like connect to it in a way that I'm like, yo, when I click this shutter, I'm so into it. Like, this is so, this moment is so into it. There's no way, like, you got to be a human being with a stone heart to not feel this. Well, I always like the way that, the way Kevin talks about it when he says, think of think of weddings a bit like street photography. I just, you know, I'm working like a street photographer. I just happen to be at a wedding. Exactly. And, and the, the wedding part's going to translate. Like, there's nothing hidden about a wedding. Like, you're going to know that you're at a wedding. Yeah. So my thing is like, I just go and observe and, and, and find beauty and make, make photographs. And Kurt Bob returns shortly to talk about his approach to street photography and what being an ambassador for Fujifilm means. Uh, be sure to visit the show notes this week for links to the 16th of June's House of Photography live show recording and uh, photo walk. And if you would like uh, more Mullins each week in your lug holes, as they say, uh, be with him for his country music show on Ont Internet when he is Country Boyo plays you good foot tapping regular and also alternative country on his internet radio show, 5.30 p.m. on incapablestaircase.com. 5.30, that is, UK time. I also have my other podcast, Photography Daily, available on all podcast players where we talk and think about the why of photography. On Mondays, uh, we set an assignment, and today's is all about connecting with nature. A seven-day challenge for one super picture. And on Friday, it's uh, the photo walk. And this week, uh, my guest on that show is Dr. Grant Scott, 
where we discuss or ask why is documentary photography always seemingly so sad or is it plus we start a mini series called instagram's curiosity shop and go in search of wonderful unusual profiles on photography daily Right, uh, questions. We'll start with email, uh, then we'll have one of your uh, one of your Facebook ones, Kev, and then it's book of the week. So, Hovland Perspective is that is that the company? I think it is. This is from Corey. Hello, good afternoon, gents. First of all, let me say thank you, thank you for a great show that's kept me sane through the pandemic. Well, that's very kind of you, and I actually, in all seriousness, I think I think it helped both of us during the pandemic, didn't it, Kev? Really? Yeah. yeah. S- something in the day, it was a sort of a, there was kind of a, a moment in the day which we said, right, we have to do something then, apart from sit down and just look at Lightroom. I found a show after purchasing the XE3 and quickly listened to every episode. Pre-COVID, I ventured way outside my comfort zone into street photography for the first time and found out that it was my favourite genre to shoot. Addictive, exhilarating, exciting. I switched to Fuji after being a Nikon shooter my whole life as I fell in love with the compact size and rangefinder look to the XC3, perfect for what I needed to explore. Then the pandemic hit and suddenly the streets were empty. Since then, my motivation has been lacklustre at best. I still take hundreds of photos a week, whether it's my uh, daughter and or husband or landscapes and the occasional street venture. But when it comes to editing, I open up my editing software and just find the prospect of going through these folders daunting and end up shutting off the computer, uh, waddling my, Corey's words here, not mine, lazy butt to the couch and turn on CSI. I've got one of them as well, Corey, it's fine. (laughs) Or Star Trek or some other programme. Kev goes one step further and puts the ears on. Um, (laughs) Anyway, my question is, do you ever find yourself with such a build-up of images that the very idea of opening up your editing software makes you feel physically and mentally exhausted? I'm only chuckling because I think we've all felt that. I'm looking for anything you might do for yourselves that gets you off the couch and in front of the monitor and begin chipping away. I've been a photographer for over 20 years, says Corey, and I feel like the digital age of being able to capture hundreds, even thousands of images at a time has finally bitten me on the what you know. And it hurts. Lazy butt. Yeah. Thanks very much. Keep up the great work. So what do you what do you think? Yeah. There is a very simple answer to this. To shoot less. <laughs> yeah. Take less pictures. Yeah. This idea and this idea of having to shoot everything. I know since I've been photo walking, Corey, and and when I originally did it, I thought, right, I've got to bring back loads of stuff here from each photo walk. And now if I if I come back with I mean I often end up with about four shots I'm moderately happy with as what I call sketchbook images. But I, I rarely come back with more than 10 to a dozen shots. So I think we all, and I, I certainly include myself in this, we all suffer from, it sounds to me like, you know, most of this work that Corey is doing uh, is is not commercial stuff. It's, no, you know, it's no. family at home, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. And we're all very guilty of uh, wanting to have the best picture of the best moment of a particular thing that yeah. happened. Now, let's just take, let's just say, for example, you're having a family meal at home. Um, you know, I don't know if there's kids, but you know, the, the kids are there. It could be adults, whatever. Yeah. Let's, let's just say, let's, let's, let's try and neutralize this. You're having a dinner party. There's some children there and there are some adults there. Right. And, you know, that you're playing a game of, uh, I don't know, Connect Four or something. Do they still make Connect Four? <laughs> Blimey, I'm not coming to one of your parties. Connect Four. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're much more fun. Yeah, when... we, have, we, we get a Connect Four out before the uh, non-alcoholic drinks. Yeah, out, you know, you, just to you, raise the excitement level. You were much more fun when you were drunk. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. Um, I don't mean that. I'm being all right, flippant. all right. I'm going to make it far more excited. Go on then. Uh, they're playing Ludo. Oh. <laughs> now you're really stretching. What about Uno? Let's go for the big one. Oh, no. What's that thing? I saw this at a wedding on the weekend for the first time in a long time. That thing where they stack loads of pieces of wood up and then they all fall down. Oh, Jenga. 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 Yeah, yeah. okay. Jenga on the Jenga. Jenga table, right? Yeah. So you know that something's going to happen. Yes. Um, you do not need to be taking thousands of pictures before and all that kind of stuff. Just no. take two or three pictures, yeah. uh, you know, and and yes, they the, the actual picture you may get may not be the most explosive, excited moment of the entire evening that actually happened in real life. Mm. But you cannot be expected to, to, to get those pictures, you know, get the ones, have you know, to get a picture, get a couple of pictures and think, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. And then move on, do something else, whatever, you know, and then. Uh, you know, it, it kind of manifests itself, especially with street photography and stuff, where if you just go out and you walk with no objective in mind, then you will end up just taking hundreds of pictures and probably you won't, you know, you'll come home and you'll think, oh, I don't know whether that was good or bad or whatever, you know, and now I've got to go through all the images and stuff. Whereas if you go out and you think, right, today, um, and we've talked about this loads of times, I'm going to concentrate on, uh, you know, human interaction, or I'm going to concentrate on colour red, or I'm going to concentrate on architecture or whatever, you know, you'll, you'll shoot less and then that means you'll have more keepers and your editing process. Will, yes. be, will, will be a lot easier but ultimately it really does come down to uh you know to not overshooting and we're all guilty of it though i'm not you know i'm not this is no i'm not kind of pointing my finger at Corey and his lazy butt i'm just saying that you know this is a thing because of digital photography and cameras these days are you know far more capable of shooting at burst rates and all of that kind of stuff but try and try and step away from it perhaps you know there there are times when we need those fast fast burst rates but there are also times when we don't and, but we still use it. That's the simplest answer. I really think that's a nice idea, answer. by the way, to look for a few challenges and and to go out with a with a different sort of thought in mind to something that you might you might shoot that that just just focuses. If you pardon pardon using the pun, focuses you on on doing something rather than thinking. Oh, what is there to do? when you've when you've got that much to shoot in the world? Because there's always something. Um, yep. Sometimes it's too much. That much. Does that make sense? I mean, even you know, even when you're just photographing the kids at home. I mean, our kids are a little bit older now, but when they were younger, there was you know the mostly my my thought process would be based around the light, you know, and if there was good light, strong light, then I would be reaching for my camera. Everything else probably not so much, and that's that's a thing. If it's becoming a chore, that you know, if if it becomes a chore to get the images off the camera, then then the love affair will end soon yeah, enough. Yeah. Um, you, you know, that's that's a problem. So try and try and snip that problem in the bud before before it's too late. I can't remember who I was talking to the other day. I was just having a conversation, uh, but we were talking about thinking like film, i.e giving yourself a number of actuations, a number of uh, shutter presses. You don't need to think like it. What you, what you do is you do get it. yourself a, do it. 16, uh, sorry, a 64 megabyte memory card. Oh, physically I see limited. what you mean, yes. I do that on my workshop sometimes. I, I, ah. I take some with me and I give them, uh, they're a bit bigger than that, I can't remember, I think they're 120 <laughs> megabytes. Idea. But yeah. they're really old memory cards, slow old memory cards. Um, there you go, you've got 15 minutes, fill the memory card up. <laughs> And it only takes about three shots. Um, <laughs> and, that, you know, you can do that. If, if you're really struggling, there, there's, there's a 
there's a thing you can do. And, and I totally agree, that idea of thinking like you're shooting film, but we're not shooting film, are we? we no, I know, but, to, but if, you, if you think in that sort we, of, uh, giving yourself, you know, a, a limit. Uh, yeah, well, limit it physically then, stick, yeah. a, stick a small memory yes, card Yes, well, in. that's a good idea. I didn't think of it that way. Um, um, so that is a really good idea. Actually, Corey had another question. He said, embarrassingly yours, because he wrote back with another question, because uh, he'd sort of gone off with a tangent with that one, which I thought was a very good tangent, by the way, Corey. But he said, since switching to mirrorless from DSLR, I was wondering if you find yourself using the EVF or the back screen more when taking photographs. I find even though the back screen seems more convenient, I still use the EVF most of the time. Just curious, as I see so many vloggers, YouTubers, always using the screen when out on the streets. What do you prefer? I use the EVF mostly. I don't like using. I don't. I don't like using the flip screen and bringing it down to my waist purely because I then have to bend my head and everybody gets the glare off my ball patch. <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, there are times when I will use the flip screen, and you know, if you're kind of standing on the street corner and you're, you, you know, you're, you don't want to be looking like you're taking a picture, then that makes sense. Um, but probably I would be zone focusing at that point if I can. But yeah, I mean, I use the EVF. I mean, the resolution in the EVF is always going to be better if you're outside and, you know, sunny day and all that kind of stuff. The EVF is going to be much better yeah, for you. Yeah, so it could be an advantage in some situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Some. Thank you, Corey. Um, book of the week, Kev. Book of the week. You've got to do this with the accent, by the way. No, I can't because I you got to do the whole... Annoy whole, all uh, of the, the Northeast people. The whole book review with the accent. I, I can't do it. I can't, no, no, I can't no, no. even say the word biker in a Newcastle accent. Biker. 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 That's biker about as close as no, I'll get to it. I just can't do it. Yeah. Biker Revisited. Anyway, it's too much of an important book. <laughs> biker Revisited. Uh, Portrait of a Community. So this is, this is uh, as the title suggests, Revisited. Um, so there was an original version of the uh, of this photo essay called Biker, um, which I think can't can't seem to find a copy of it anywhere. But by researching it, I think it was from 1983. Um, this is Biker Revisited, which is still 2009, so it's still quite an old book by photography book standards. Um, but it's great. Emily sent it to me. Um, lovely Emily. Uh, happy birthday to you last week, by the way. She said to me that, you know, have you seen this book? I think you'll love it. And I said, no, I hadn't seen it. Please send it to me. And so she did. And it is absolutely wonderful. I'll read the, I'll read the little blurb. So I'll spell her name as well once I've pronounced it. Circa Lisa Kontinen. Um, S-I-R-K-K-A hyphen L-I-I-S-A space. K-O-N-T-T-I-N-E-N. We will, of course, link to all this in the show notes. Um, Anyway, moved to the biker area of Newcastle in 1970, and shortly after her arrival, she began to capture the spirit of the community Mm. in evocative photographs that formed the basis of a book and film. Since leaving Biker in 1976, Surka has maintained contact with the area and its many residents who have become her friends. Biker Revisited is a visual and verbal documentary, a portrait of a contemporary community that is in flux, a community of the poor, the disadvantaged, and the refugees who demonstrate a life-affirming humanity which is captured in the words and Surka's stunning photographs. Um, so Lee Hall does the uh, introduction and he's the writer of Billy Elliot, which I didn't know, um, but there you go. Obviously I knew about Billy Elliot and uh, he does the introduction to the book. So yeah, I mean, it is a, uh, it is a wonderful book and I'm just reading Circa's uh, biography and she's a founder member of Amber, which is a film and photography collective, which came together in London in 1968 and then thereafter moved to Newcastle upon oh, time, uh, okay. upon time. So there we go. Um, but it is an absolutely beautiful book. Um, and I would love to get the original version of it, the, the, the kind of biker version. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's one of those books that 
there is some text and stuff, stories about the people, but mostly you're going to be drawn to the images. I think um, there are some images from the original kind of series, if you like, but obviously most of them are, are kind of more uh, more recent from when this uh, this second uh, stage of it was done effectively. Um, but it's it's those kind of images that are again, we you know we talk about this all the time, based on nostalgia. But it's people being people, and it's uh, you know there's elements of very very strong environmental portraiture in this, in this book. It's not street photography as you would think. It's, no, no, it's she, not. It's not like a Tish Murtha um, no. type documentary. She's book. gone into people's houses um, and, and 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 photographed them, hasn't she? Yeah, absolutely. So there, you know, there's clever placement of props and objects, not props, yeah. but uh, supporting yeah. elements of the environment. So there, there's a lovely picture, page twenty six. Uh, oh, his name's Stephen Hewson. There you go. We oh, know Stephen Hewson, don't we? we? Do. Uh, Stephen Hewson and Dog Blade, two thousand and nine. Yeah. You know, and it's it's this is massive, massive dog. This guy. There's a um a clock that's been placed on the sofa and then you have like the tv in the background all of that kind of stuff is great there are some uh you know more candid type snaps if you like on the streets but really it is this environmental um element environmental portraiture element that is just beautiful nancy meek uh retired dressmaker 2007 so she sat in this beautiful red armchair with this very very Bearing in mind, this is 2007, the photograph was taken, but a very 70s looking room, you know, with electric fire bolted to the wall, porcelain statues on wooden shelves, all that kind of stuff. And she sat there and she's got this, um, you know, this dress that presumably is one of the ones she's designed in the past, holding a one of those really old retro phones that she clearly still used at the time. Um, wonderful. And, and, you know, some of the images, you know, when, when we... When we photograph like wedding photography and this kind of photography are not, you know, not in the same kind of connection, I suppose. But when we photograph bridal prep, one of the the things I hate the most is when I hear, and it's usually the mother of the bride, bless them. Oh, I'm just going to tidy up. Don't take any pictures until I tidy up. And, you know, and I hate that because actually that's, that's what, when they look at these pictures in in years to come, they'll think, oh yeah, do you remember when we used to use those things and Mm. scruffy and stuff? Mm. But yeah, there's a, you know, there's a beautiful picture on page 51. It's just the scullery of Mr. and Mrs. McCartney. 1977 um and it's just a picture of their kitchen or scullery in those days you know and it's you know there's a tea towel hanging on the wall there's there's pots and pans there's you know there's obviously no such thing as a dishwasher or a microwave or anything like that you know it looks very reminds me very much of my grandmother's kitchen is a water boiler bolted by the window uh you know all these things that it's a simple simple picture that at the time when that picture was taken might have just been a case of yeah picture of a kitchen now very important picture of a kitchen. Absolutely. Love it. Um, so so th- some, there's a real mixture of, yeah, of image styles in this book. Because some of them are, are, are much more contrived, aren't they? Contrived mm-hmm. not not uh, by Circa, but by the people within them, uh, you, you get that feeling. I'm looking at the kitchen one where um, <laughs> there's a strange scene being acted out with uh, a girl here who's got – there's a Jack Russell on, on – <laughs> Uh, there's wearing some sort of weird outfit on a table and just behind her uh, there's a husband, a partner, a boyfriend, whatever, doing some sort of s- strange blades act mm. and then a mannequin in the foreground. So some of these, are, are kind of, which sounds weird when I explain it like that, but some of these are, are contrived sort of almost theatrical moments that these subjects have put together. And in others, I think they've said, well, what do you want us to do? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's a real mix of uh, different genres, if you like. Yeah. Um, for, for example, page 74 is uh, Bollam Coin 2009. Now, that was a, a, a presumably a housing estate. 
uh, and it's in uh, you know it's derelict in this picture. Yeah. It's a it's a panorama actually. It's really yes, nice. Yes, I've picture. seen that one. Yeah. You know, and all of the uh, the stairs are uh, the doors are bolted up, and the, the, everything is kind of shuttered, and you know the grass is grown all over it and everything. But again, it's you know it, it's one of those things that you know how many times do we walk past buildings that are about to be demolished and stuff, and just think oh, it'd be a shame when that's gone without actually thinking about taking a shot of it or anything. I've just literally flicked to page 170. Uh, Mary Marie Anderson, care worker, 2005, and there it's it's shot through a pair of doors, back doors of a house, and she's just stood there with her hands on her hips, looking very, very um, nonchalantly at the camera. Yeah. And next to her is a massive, massive Father Christmas that's bigger than her. Are you t- are you uh, tempted by because this um it, the behind closed doors thing of of this kind of photography? I know I know it's not all about the behind closed door thing, but this behind closed doors thing is fascinating, isn't it? This this way of and I, I talked recently to a Magnum photographer about about this actually about about this idea of the camera allow, allowing you to just be professionally nosy and get into the place where you really want to be is which is behind their front door to see what gems their house has to offer. Does it does yeah. it inspire you to want? Because I know it's not the kind of photography you do, Kev, necessarily. But does it inspire you to go and do this kind of thing? Uh, I mean, I would love to do this kind of thing, but I think the greatest barrier for almost all of us is just that, and including myself, is that ability to or that. that confidence to be able to you know knock on a door and say i'm a photographer can i look and i take some pictures yeah i know yeah and that's that's the hardest thing once you get over that then uh, then i think you know it's all systems go there's <laughs> a great one here sisters morgan and demi ord with dog chico 2009 and they're sat in their bedroom bless them all pink and you know dolls everywhere and they're holding on to their teddy bears and then chico the uh it's like a french bull terrier or something like that cute little dog is sat in his little pink chair with a pink fluffy thing around his neck yeah, that's next to the one with the the, the one of the knife that you mentioned. Brilliant. Um, I can't find. There is another one that I did really like. So Thompson Thompson and they, uh, Thomas Thompson, sorry, retired seaman at St Lawrence Mission Hall, two thousand and six, and he's just stood there in this beautiful shard of light. Now the mission is obviously in a state of total disrepair, or actually it's being repaired or maybe converted. We don't know. I mean, it may say more in the text, which obviously don't have time to read through. But this is clearly a place that he has, uh, you know, has nostalgic thoughts about, yeah. and he's he's sitting there and he's almost like a little schoolboy. he's you know he's 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 looking nervous he's in his best finery but he's got one finger gripped by the other hand you know yeah. th- that thing that little nervous schoolboys do and school girls sorry um f- hold their little finger you know and he's just kind of stood there like this 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 caricature uh almost like a little mr ben in that picture um but yeah it's lovely it really is Great it really book. is a, a a lovely book and of course if you're it will be more powerful for people from the northeast or from that you know from the biker area newcastle area but i think it's a really interesting book because it it's not street photography it's not portraiture it's not you know anything specific i would you know if i had to define it i would say it's environmental portraiture yeah it, it goes beyond that yeah, really, really cool book. It, it reminds me actually that there's um, there was a place that we had. What was it called? Uh, Bishop's Green. That was it. That uh, uh, had all these sort of prefab stuff from from uh, war period, which they were knocking down to give everybody new houses. And I remember just as I was starting out with photography, 
I invited myself to go and take pictures, I must dig those out because that sort of... I, I didn't manage to get into many houses, but certainly they came out and stood by their old pride and joy, which they didn't want to see knocked down, um, which made that quite an interesting project. But this... This book is available now, isn't it, Kev? You can buy this. Oh, yeah, yeah. This one is. It's been out for a few years, but it's, yeah. it's highly available. Um, Northumbria Press Good. published it, but we will link to it, of course. In the famous show notes. Right, let's have uh, part two of uh, our interview now as we return to Kurth Bob, American ex-photographer. We touch on street photography this time around and being in the Fujifilm fold. Well, you mentioned your street work, so let's talk about that. I was looking through your project work. Humour and irony plays a lot into your work, Kurt. The, the guy at the flea market at his stall looking properly miserable in that black and white picture. And then there's a row of goofy smile cushions above his head, which I love. And the lady holding the You're Fired sign, holding it aloft to Trump supporters in D.C., um, what is your process on the street? Are you a? I know some people don't feel comfortable with this, but are you a, a hunter or are you a gatherer? For your stories i think i'm both you know it's it's a balance i'm both yeah. sometimes I, I can sit there and i, I see an interesting scene or, or an interesting stage mm. and i wait other times i observe i observe something i simply trust that either the same thing is going to happen or something better and i go towards it so i think i'm i'm, I'm, I'm both I, I know different different photographers have different ways of working scenes and, and all these other things but really it, it's a lot of a lot of my street photography has been just a play with fear. A play, um, a play with fear. Yeah, because I, you know, I sometimes I go and I photograph in places that may not on the uh, on the surface seem welcoming, right, or safe. And for me, it, it's pushing past to hold the camera up and to make the photograph. Right? Well, I was going to ask because these are very intimate, very personal pictures. Some of these. Now, I was going to say. Do you draw the camera? Because I, I know what you mean by some of those scenes where you may not necessarily feel so invited. Do you draw the camera to your eye, or are you quite clandestine about it and shoot from the hip? If it's a, if it's a really, if I'm scared, I'm drawing it up to my eye. You're drawing it right? to your eye if you're scared. Yeah, because for me, if if I feel like this is a tense moment, right? For me, that, that that's that signal that I, that I should go like dig in to <laughs> to kind of you know. Eh, I might miss it. Like, I want to sit, I want to, like, compose it and, like, you know, work with it. I, I was in Haiti a few years ago. I saw those, yeah. And, yeah. and um, there's literally a photograph where the guy is, you could probably see Spittle, but I was really close, and I was like, this is a scene, and I, I remember it, him. He was upset. Yeah. And look, I understand, you know, people go to, some people go to places to tell their version of, of the story of the place. I try to go to places to observe the story mm. and tell that. As, as, as much as I can being an outsider, having spent a, a limited amount of the time there. So th there is a feeling sometimes of these people being exploited. I remember going to Cuba twice. And the first time I went, it was very welcoming, very warm. The second time when people were like, no, don't take my picture. So th there is that balance too, where, you know, if you ask me to delete a photograph, I will delete it. But I will always engage you in conversation around what it is I'm doing, what it is I see. Do you think some of that distrust, some of, the, some of the, those feelings happened around about lockdown or shutdown, as you call it, because we had social unrest we had political unrest we had well, you know all manner of things happened where photographers are, 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 are almost run the gauntlet of being not trusted like they once were to tell the truth well you know i, I think i think those things have always been present in our 
modern in just our existence. I think the lockdown just amplified everything. Yeah. I think the birthright of every human being is to be able to tell their, their own story. Like that's fundamentally a birthright because you're experiencing this life, you're experiencing you. And there are places where people have told like Haiti, for example, right? The story I've heard about Haiti by whoever told it to me was that this was the poorest, most desolate, most horrible country in the Western Hemisphere. And then, and then you realize that, yeah, well, if, if these people tell their story, they'll tell you a story of pride and resilience yeah. and beauty and connection to yeah, the land and magic yeah. and revolution. And it's like, yeah, so... Telling your own story is, is, is a human right, man. Well, I love that. Um, I, I love that picture, by the way, talking of stories, where you have somebody st- stretching out a calf muscle, pushing against a tree, which is in it. Uh, that's a DC okay. one as well, which is in, in itself, it's a nice moment. But actually, it becomes an entirely different moment when you take it one step further and you give a tilt to the picture, which makes it look, yeah. like, like, the world, <laughs> look, makes it look like the world is being pushed slightly left. And that's a great idea. I wonder whether you did you do that at the time with your camera, or did you did you see that picture afterwards in in uh, post and think, oh, I see what I can do with this. You know, I did. I did that in camera. I think a lot of times when I not I think a lot of times when I go make photographs, right? It can be nothing but imagination, right? That photograph. Do you remember the cartoons like the the coyote versus the yeah. roadrunner? Yeah, yeah. It would always be like hijinks, right? The roadrunner would be coming around the corner and the coyote would be trying to push a boulder around. Yeah, the that's right. So yeah. that photograph, I think there are two people working, walking towards. That's right. Like, oh my gosh, it looks like this woman is trying to like, <laughs> as soon as they walk, she's going to topple this tree over them. But yeah, the, the humor, right? The humor and the lightness to this thing. There is, there is humor. And I think to, for me, a sense of humor has been a great means of survival and thriving because, you know, it can get pretty heavy. I, I, I can't tell you the last time I sat and watched the news because the sense of humor is like gone. Well, there isn't any at the moment. There isn't any at all. Being a Fujifilm ambassador, what, what is it meant to you? I would say this. Congratulations to Fuji. Being trusted by a brand, it means a lot, but not everything. Mm. Because I don't assume that a brand knows everything. You know, I've had a relationship with Fuji for a long time, yeah. like a long time. I've, I've used their cameras. I believe in their philosophy. I wouldn't have been an ambassador for any other company but Fujifilm. Right. And at the time when the ambassadorship program expanded, I just remember thinking like, you know, they were one of the last companies to actually make statements. I guess this was kind of the first wave of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion work that a lot of uh, corporations were doing. But I remember them being very thoughtful and thinking it through instead of just like knee jerking and say, you know what, give us five black people. But the way in which they did it was thoughtful. And I think it allowed them to expand because now you have, you know, if I'm making guitars, I want as many genres as possible being created with, with my guitars, you know, versatility. Um, and I think Fuji did that. Like, it's good to be among a group of creatives who create from the heart. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of soul in, in the, in the ex-photographer program. And they're truly, they're just a lot of people doing their own thing, which I think is beautiful. Mm. Like, I think it's beautiful that we have, you know, the Mike McCoy's and Lena Robinson's. Like, Mike McCoy is a Capitol Hill slash White House photojournalist for the New York Times. Lena Robinson, her work is just magical. It's more representative of, of life through photographs. And 
I just feel incredibly honored and, and blessed to be a part of that thing and still be embraced and allowed for doing my own thing. Mm embraced and supported for doing my own thing, you know? We're, we're talking about um, creativity. Authors, foresters, musicians, cultural artists, chefs, writers, the, uh, they're all within your, your portfolio of, um, of portrait work. What's not to love about being a portrait photographer, right? I mean, if you, if you ever wanted a job that could bring you into contact with uh, a mix of people that you'd never have a chance to meet usually, um, either become a head of state or a photographer, it seems to me. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And and that's one of the beautiful things about living in DC is that every part of the planet is represented in that small little city. Yeah. DC is a is a very special place because everyone people come there to, to essentially make change, right? Or or to to connect with change makers. And I've I've had the privilege of working with a lot of a lot of human beings who are like the first of something. Mm. Or people who simply see the world as it is, love it, but think that it could be better and are actually taking those ideas and creating things with them. So, you know, the portrait work has allowed me to meet just incredible, incredible, incredible people. Yeah, and and, and as, as a result of that, it's kind of confirmed a lot of what I've always believed is that nobody's special. We are special. We all, you know, I, I would photograph an ambassador or something. And we had the same problem this morning, like, we had a problem getting out of bed. I hear was like, it's, it, it's a lot more flat than, than I think we're led to believe, you know. Everyone's experiencing the same thing. Everyone, everyone got the same problems, maybe just at different times or different severities, but everyone got the same problems. So that's one of the things that portraits have allowed me to, to kind of confirm is that, yeah, everyone, everyone deserves some level of compassion and understanding and just love and yeah. On your Insta, you, I always read bylines because I always think what people use in their bylines says so much about uh, of the way they feel about themselves as much as their work. So I know I'm looking at you now thinking, oh, what have I said? Um, you, uh, no, this is a really, this is like the best part because you like, you did your research. <laughs> but no, I, did, I saw it. You, you say sharing what I've seen. A lot of people put a lot of commercial stuff up when they do bylines. I must go look at mine because I think I've done that. But but you said sharing what I've seen. It's really simple. I know it's you know we're not talking rocket uh, fuel science here. But um, what what do you want to see next? I mean, you've shared what you've seen. What do you want? What do you want to see next? What it, what what is in the in the world that you haven't seen that you very much want to? You're a traveler. You like to move. Ah, uh, where does moving take me next? You know, I, I have a trip planned for. Um I'm going to Morocco. It'll be my first time in Africa. Oh, color. Color, 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 color. <laughs> Everywhere. Right? But also yeah. color, culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Morocco trip, I'm, I'm working on a, a friend commissioned me to, to help with the, with the book project that she's working on. But what do I want? I want to see more of me, right? And that's, that's, that's oh. like photography has always been an exploration of just me. Yeah. I want to see more of me. I want to see more of me, just like I've seen all of me in every place that I've been. Uh, I want to see more of me because seeing more of me, whether it's in Morocco or India or wherever I go next, I know that I'm, I'm confirming more of the shared experience and this kind of dissolving a lot of the, what I like to call separateness. You know, one of the things I would tell photographers when I mentor is that it's, it's really simple. Everyone cries the same. Everyone laughs the same. There are these, there are these, these primal expressions that we have that just kind of flatten, right? 
We may do it in different contexts, in different environments, but it's all the same. Whatever differences they are, could be celebrated. Because that's, that's where the art comes, right? It's like Morocco, you mentioned color, like looking at their, how they build buildings, how they live, how they express themselves. For me, it's like expansion. It's like, whoa, okay? What color is that wall going to become behind you? Oh, I think I'm going to leave this green, you know? <laughs> I, I think I made that decision today. I'm going to leave this green and everything else is going to be just like off-white and then art. Yeah. <laughs> and our thanks to this month's guest, Kurth Bob. And you can follow his work from the links in the show notes, as per always. Right, back to your questions. I think we've got time for, for a couple more, Kev, a couple more. Okay, well, we'll go with one from Paul Zillard. Um, it's not a question as such, it's more of a uh, an answer to something we struggled, we both struggled with a couple of weeks ago. All right. Um, listening to podcast episode number 223, I have uh, felt I had to chip in, commenting on the Tascam XLR adapter. I remember we were talking about that. Oh, yes. Um, so for those that, that don't know what the Tascam is, it's a it, it's still unavailable. It's still on pre-order. Uh, I have one on pre-order. It's Tascam XLR adapter for XT4, I think, um, Fujifilm anyway. So you'll be able to plug XLR microphones into your Fujifilm cameras. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then goes through the hot shoe, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. And and it's he says, uh, Kevin was a bit woolly about what it does. And Neil then commented about unbalanced, uh, being, unbalanced audio being passed through the camera. Yeah. Um, perhaps I can add my five cents worth. So ready to be reprimanded? Yeah, yeah. Uh, number one, the Tascam unit provides 48 volts phantom power to mics that need it and convert the analog audio from the mic into digital, which is then passed as digital to the camera to record with the video. This way, the camera's preamps and uh, analog to digital circuits are bypassed with hopefully a superior alternative. Number two, balanced XLR has three wires such that one is the ground and then the two signal wires are of opposite polarity. That's right, yeah. Uh, there we go. That way, any electrical noise will cancel out as in positive added to negative signals. Yes. Whereas the audio signals is doubled by the preamp when it inverts the negative signal and then sums it up with the positive Net result is pure, in uh, in, uh, in air quotes, uh, audio. So unbalanced being passed to camera is not really possible. There you go. So going through the hot shoe means that you don't get that balancing issue. Correct. Right. So we do, do we get... For you and a... I think we both got one of And yeah. for me as well, but right? Actually, okay. I'm really glad Paul uh, yeah. told us that because it, I think now I understand. quite a lot of people yeah. would be wondering about that. Yeah. I know a lot of people will, will have just listened to that and thought, what the actual <laughs> is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, next time I'll say it in, in like German or Spanish or something just to make <laughs> it a make bit clearer. far more sense. <laughs> but it does sound a great bit of kit though, Kev, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm really excited by that actually. Yeah. I have to say, I've got a Tascam external audio thing that I use when I am doing my YouTube stuff. Yes. And uh, it's very good. It's only a little red box, but the, the preamps in it are amazing. Yeah. But we're nice when it comes out, when all these yeah. things are available again. Marcus Norman, hello from an expat living in Lake Forest, just north of Chicago. I've been enjoying your podcast for a few months now. I started with photography shooting portraits headshots about four years ago and relied on a job referral service called Thumbtack to gain clients and experience. I'm not aware of that one, but obviously it could just, I mean, that's probably an American one, isn't it? That worked well. So I stopped the service and then the pandemic hit. Oh. Consequently, work has slowed down to a few portraits per week. While I do enjoy photographing people, I'm starting to consider using a few of my interior design and real estate photos, which are hidden at the moment within his website, to gain some additional work. When I just 
first started out with photography. I tried shooting interiors, architecture, asked a few friends if I could photograph their spaces. Really enjoyed it, but thought portraiture could be more viable. My question is really related to branding speciality. What do you both think about potentially having two separate websites? Is the old chestnut this one, Kev. One one for portraits, one for interiors stroke architecture. It feels to me that the audience and product for each is so different that it could make sense. I may have just answered my own question, but I'm always curious to hear your take on the business of photography. Thank you from Marcus. Um, Mm. Now, we both, I think, come from different places. Well, used to be the same place, but slightly converging places on this one now. Well, yeah. I mean, I've always said that from a market, so if we're talking about a marketing point of view, SEO, all of that kind of stuff, there is no question that two separate websites are the answer. Yeah. There's just no question. However, there's a lot more parameters that are involved, um, you know, such as cost, you know, cost, time, effort, reward, all of that kind of stuff. There seems little point in having a a separate website for, let's just say, the in, interior stuff. If you're not getting much interiors business, you know, mm. which perhaps you won't know that until you build a website. But the you know the brutal fact is, if you do want to give yourself the best possible chance from a marketing point of view in terms of SEO and Google and Instagram and all that stuff, it is uh, unequivocally best to have separate systems. But that does not mean that that's the the only answer, of course. There are many people, I mean, you know, I have on my my uh, wedding photography website a whole section dedicated to family photography, for example. Yeah. Um, I did go down the route of having a family website um, uh, yeah, took it off my, my photography web, my wedding website. I built a new family um, website, spent a lot of time and, you know, Squarespace fees and all that kind of stuff didn't work. So I, you know, ditched it, didn't renew it and brought it back onto the, the wedding photography website. So, you know, I, I, I think Neil's, Neil always, you always mention, you know, if it's so different, such as boudoir and pets, for example, you probably don't want to mix them. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd feel entire, I meant diverging, not converging, by the way, by just a moment ago. But, but no, I wouldn't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable I don't shoot boudoir, but if I did shoot boudoir, I don't think I could have that on the same site as a as a website where there were child portraits, for example. That might be me being a bit squeamish, Kev. I don't know, a bit old-fashioned, perhaps. But I, I think some things might coexist more easily and more comfortably than other things. And you, you can also, of course, yeah, and I agree. Uh, you can also, depending on the style, if you're, you know, if more of the stuff that you're doing is is commercial, mm. right? And by that, I mean, uh, I'm not including like weddings and, you know, family portraits and stuff. You could, you could, you know, market it as an agency, a photo- photographic agency that has different strands mm. to it. Um, you know, and that, that would cover your, you know, your interiors, your, your commercial portraits, your, you know, all that kind of stuff that, that can be, that can be one particular website. I have one, um, I have an agency website, I call it Flying Monk, um, because of the Flying Monk of Malmesbury. And that's where my commercial stuff sits. And that's where I'll put my, um, uh, you you know, my my kind of corporate stuff, if you like. Um, Mostly it's pictures of paint, pots of paint. Um, But that's it. But, you know, that's working for me. That website works. I wouldn't have that commercial stuff on my wedding website. Yeah. No chance. But I would have my family stuff on there. I thought I recognised the Flying Monk because... I spoke recently to John Mayer, who used to be, um, who was a buzzcock. Uh, he was in Buzzcocks, not the, mm. the Buzzcocks, Buzzcocks, uh, mm. the, the punk band. And he has a Flying Monk blog. But then directly underneath, fly, Flying Monk Media and Photography Agency, which is your one. Uh, yes. Well, you know what the Flying Monk was. Well, it, um, 
a flying monk in Malmesbury, but, but obviously not. Elmer, Elmer, Elmer the monk uh, oh, oh. Um, was the country's first aviator. Right? Oh, I this is didn't in know 10, that. 1005 oh. AD. Uh, the date of the flight is judged to be recorded. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, he flew from um, St. Stephen's Tower, which you can see from her window, to the Abbey over the Abbey Gardens, essentially. What did he fly um, in or on? He, he crashed and broke both his legs. Oh. He didn't die. So he didn't yeah. really fly there? Uh, the Flying Monk. Elmer the Flying Monk. So, so that my, was, my business is called the Flying Monk Agency. So that's as much flying as that, that event they hold, is it in Brighton or Bournemouth, off the pier, where people jump off the pier e- yeah. each year in, in these <laughs> extraordinary contraptions that they say are flying machines, but they are no more than really just big stones. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was the first person to try that, but he chose he chose the three hundred foot tall St Stephen's Tower. Yeah, not the best flight. I'd, I'd have uh, perhaps chosen a pier to start with, uh, except there wouldn't have been any piers around then. I appreciate. I'm not sure, that. yeah. Right. I don't even think Brighton had been invented then. <laughs> no, maybe not. But uh, all right, yeah. Um, the diverging concept um, or, or thought that I, I have slightly on this, and I was always very firmly because I do have breathe pictures, and I have Neil James as two very separate entities. One is uh, one is corporate, one is weddings. But I, I never have time to work on... I'm not a massive company. I don't have time to work on both and work on SEO for both. And I, I've also had a few conversations at, at, uh, at weddings in particular. And I always felt squeamish in the past about, you know, about saying to anybody who's corporate, well, I'm a wedding photographer because they'll be, oh, I can't possibly use you now. But that's their problem by by extension. It could be my problem as well but, but that, in that they won't hire me. But... But I, the amount of conversations I've had at events where somebody has said to me, is, is, this, is this all you do? Where I've, I've gone off on some sort of tangent about, well, no, but I can do that. Uh, when actually I should have just said, um, no, I, I can shoot a few portraits and I, I do a little bit of this and I, I like food photography because the chances are they might just say, well, I mean, I've got a company and I quite fancy you to come and do this. And I, I wonder whether I'd be missing opportunities by, by being so firmly no that's what i do and and not not straying i had a conversation with uh a another photographer at a wedding a while back uh, actually it was this was probably last autumn last year sometime and he was chatting to me about equipment and everything i didn't know he was a photographer at the time and he was chatting to me about my my cameras and everything he's quite interested and he said yeah yeah i'm a photographer i do um uh, corporate work for um big marketing agencies oh. you know kind of london all that kind of stuff you know yeah. Um, and then he said, uh, you know, I couldn't, you know, I, I respect you for being a wedding photographer, but you know, weddings, you couldn't, I couldn't just do that every Saturday. What about your weekends and everything? Uh, I said, uh, and he said, well, you know, is this all you do? Is weddings all you do? I said, uh, oh no, 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 not at all. I said, uh, yeah, for the rest of the week, I sit in my garden and enjoy myself. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> you do stop then. Yeah. <laughs> International Birdman, by the way, uh, is held in, uh, Bogner Regis and Worthing before we. Oh, have Bogner that. Regis. Yeah. Yes. Bogner. I had a girlfriend from Bogner once. Did you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is that worth a story or really. sh- should we possibly oh, yeah. there move are on? several stories but not worth it no. yes uh right so do we have time for one more question or is I, th- I think that might be it or have we got have we got a qq there kev have you got a qq uh, is there a qq yeah we can uh i can stick a qq in i Go can on, stick, stick a qq, QQ in kevin it. rugland yes uh hi hi kevin mullins and neil james Okay. I have a short question for you. Today I'm going to ship a print from Norway to the USA land. I was wondering how I should wrap it up so that it will arrive safely. Um, I was thinking of putting silk paper on the picture side and rolling it up and sticking it in a cardboard pipe. 
have you done it? Got any tips? Um, well, the, the have only, a nice day, night. Look forward to listening to you on Monday. Be, uh, so this is obviously absolutely no use to Kevin because he will have already done it. Be very, very uh, firm. Well, for, for, if you're sending them in the future, the one, one thing I would say is a, a rolled up in, in, I think, I think I, I, you've got to send it rolled up. Do not, do not send it. Uh, it doesn't matter how many sheets of or, or bits of cardboard you put in to try and keep this thing rigid. If if you send it as a rigid print, I just find that they're just when they get to the other end, they they're just not really flat any, anymore. Yeah, I think I, I think though ultimately that is you know you need to get the right tube. Yes. Um, you yeah. can get some very hard wearing tubes that uh, I wouldn't just use a cardboard. You know, a re, you know I wouldn't recycle an, a, something you've been sent before. No. I'd get a a specific hardware in um, borderline wood metal pipe <laughs> um, to send it in and make sure that the, the ends, the, the poppers on the end, you know, like uh, the Pringle popper on the end is, is, <laughs> is fully nailed in, staple it in, tape it up, everything to yeah. that end. So it doesn't, it doesn't uh, come out because you know what it's like with Pringles. Once, once you start, you just can't stop. <laughs> Don't send stuff in metal pipes, though. You know, the customs well, officials metal, will be metal, like that. But as hard as you can possibly find. Look at what we got over here. Should we take it apart? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. But uh, right, that's it for uh, for another month. Um, and don't send it to uh, to the UK though, because it won't get you. Why won't it get here? No, it'll get stuck in somewhere, Europe, somewhere or whatever, <laughs> and then it'll come later. <laughs> You'll get the paper. You'll get the paperwork for it. Here, have some paperwork. We've kept the picture. Oh, thanks very much. Uh, yes, that, thanks for Pringles. <laughs> that's it for uh, for for this edition. If you'd like to send in your questions, please do. Facebook, of course, we need your we need your Facebook questions. How do you do that, Kev? Tell us. Illuminate. Pin post. Pin post at the top. Yeah. Uh, put your questions in there, and we shall get to them at some point. Hopefully. Okay. And, and next time, I'm going to try and see the ones that I've said. I'm doing something today. <laughs> rather than reply months later click at fujicast.co.uk is the way to send them in by by email um, and uh, and of course for the patrons you get bumped to the front when your questions come in via patron now um, 16th of June is not that far away 2022 just in case you're going back over the catalogue and thinking oh 16th of June 2023 no 22 is the one we're heading toward here if you want to come what do you have to do uh, because you need to be quite sharp on this because I reckon tickets will yeah. start going now yeah you need to go to futurecast.co.uk and you need to go to the merch page and there is a big it's the one at the top uh, and you need to just click there and, and just put your name and address in and, and check out it's basically a buy-in procedure without any money involved yeah. but we do need that uh, I'm sorry, and don't forget is- to uh, we were oh sorry I'm, I know I'm, I'm ruining the end of the show but um, we won't we won't put this on the Facebook group until the podcast has been uh, in circulation for two days right so um, those of you that don't use uh, the Facebook um, then you've got an opportunity to, to jump in there Super. right well um, when we look forward to seeing you at, at the event and I will see you next time, Kev. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.